Let me ask you something. Have you realized that what happens in your mind actually shows up in your reality? Are you living your dream life or your worry life? Welcome to the Dream Team Podcast, where we will reverse engineer what our wonderful and successful guests have done to create a life that they love. So you can too. Good evening, good afternoon, and good day. It's hello, and no, it's not goodbye yet. <laughs> we are here again. believe in just getting by. People like the gentleman we have on tonight who had very interesting lives, who in some cases have overcome challenges, in some cases have just been pure genius and have just manifested miracles from age six and other cases well, everything in between. We've had athletes, we've had doctors, we've had business people. And tonight, we have a coach. Intelligence and relationship coach. His name is Will Witham. And welcome, Will, to the Dream Team Live podcast. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. So, Will, I'm going to jump right in there and let's get you introduced to our listeners. So, tell us... What is your story? Um, how do you believe you're living your dreams today? Well, um, I don't know that uh, there's ever been a, a time in my life where I wasn't trying to live my dreams. Um, <laughs> I think that's, uh, it's, it's been a side effect of growing up with, uh, you know, I think television and movies. Um, I, I always, unfortunately, and strangely, I always thought those were options. Um, I was like, oh, that's an option. Okay, cool. I can do that. Um, oh, great. I love that. I can relate. But, <laughs> I still feel it, like I could get superpowers someday. <laughs> right. Well, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, but, it, but it, a lot of things, you know, I mean, you know, we're each going through life and, and trying to figure things out. Um, I, I have shared before, um, uh, I guess that's how I met Lisa was through sharing my story of growing up in a pretty rough way. Um, and, you know, dealing with ADHD, dealing with, um, you know, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, um, growing up with a narcissist. I mean, all of us have our own bags to carry as we come through life. And, and I think I always looked at, uh, like I say, television and, and movies as options. So I think I've always lives that we can add to our lives that will help us to 
navigate the waters a little easier and navigate life a little easier through relationship because everything we do in life, it has relationships attached to it. Okay. So let's go a little bit deeper. Um, you, you say that you had a, a hard childhood and, um, I mean, everyone has something, but but you definitely had a little bit more of a spattering of challenges than some people. <laughs> um, how do you feel that has made you who you are today? Um. I mean, each of our challenges isn't really for us to step back and say, you know, oh, why is this happening to me? I mean, you know, it really is, you know, what, what am I going to learn from this? I mean, that's the truth of everything in life. If we're going through a hard time, what am I going to learn from this? What, what's going to help me grow out of this? Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that's, that's probably been the one thing that's been a saving grace is that, you know, the woe is me kind of goes away when you don't have options, you know, when your options are limited, you start going, Oh, well, I got to put my you know shoulder to the wheel and just start pushing. So um, I think, I think all of it's played a part, you know, all there's no one particular event. I think that ever dictates how a person turns out. I think it's always a stacking of small things. You know, it's, it is, you know, your, your relationship to your parental figures. It is your relationships to your siblings. Um, it's, you know, experiencing trauma, it's experiencing triumph. You know, it's just a, it's always a collective. And I guess in a sense, it's, you know, you don't know what you're getting until you get to the other side of it. And then you look back and you go, Oh man, that was pretty, that was pretty crazy. And, you know, and and then you stand up and dust yourself off and, you know, keep walking. I guess that's the, if there's anything in my life that I've learned, I guess if there's the one thing is, you know, fall down seven times, get up eight. It's Mm -hmm. the, that's the big key. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because really, you know, I've never heard that way before. Of course, you don't know what you're going to get until you get to the other side. That's a very interesting way of saying it. That's that's very interesting. So, what is the what you're working now in a sense? So, does it have to do something with your business? This is something more personal. Um, well, what I'm working on now is a part a couple business things that I'm working on now. Um, one of them primarily is just like you say, learning to help people understand emotional intelligence. Um, it's it's a thing. It's a phrase that people have heard, but people don't always understand that it's not something that's innate. You're not born with it all the time. Um, and the thing is, is that it's something that we learned, you know, you, it's a skill. Um, you know, there are a lot of things though in life that people think are innate, like that it's born into us. And the truth is, is that, you know, we're all born with a desire to love, but we're not all skilled at being loved or giving love. Ooh, so that's not very interesting. Our, our lives are very uh, um, complex in that manner. You know, we all know that we need to have relationships with people, but we're not always good at having relationships with people. Yeah. And so it's a, you know, people talk about confidence and stuff and and it's like, well, confidence isn't something that is just given to you. You earn it, you figure it out and you learn how to use that skill. Mm -hmm. So emotional intelligence to me is just a series of learning 
skills that will help you in life. Um, and taking some we call, I guess, extreme responsibility uh, and recognizing that you're responsible for where you're standing today, regardless of what else has happened. Yes. Well, you've Can got I to go start way start. off the rails? No, 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 no. It's absolutely fine. Well, because <laughs> because we, we know whether we like it or not, we're manifesting our lives. We are You just said it. We're extreme responsibility is kind of tough love, but we are responsible for what's happening right now. Even if we can't actually change it, but we can obviously be responsible for our reaction or what we choose to do with it. So mm -hmm. how life interacts with us is where we have the power. We all know that. So and it but it's hard when things are bad. You know, when things get bad, it, it's like, you know, I mean, I think I I because I struggle with this a lot, you know, when bad things happen and bad things have happened to me. I'm like, well, I didn't make that man do that. I didn't make that man beat me. But, mm. but, um, but I do see my part in being in the environment. I got myself there in the first place and I didn't mm. leave. So I didn't leave. I mean, I did in the end, but, but that's my part of it. I didn't make mm. him do that. I had a really interesting clubhouse experience on Sunday where there was a, um, a gentleman, um, there was a woman who talked about an experience of domestic violence and then another guy stood up and said oh well you probably pissed him off too much oh that was bad. really yes that actually... he... oh my god and said well you know you just probably really annoyed him <laughs> so like a couple of us who have been involved in domestic violence just went like <sighs> and, right. and that's that's why i have to say i i say we have to be a little bit careful because just because we're taking responsibility doesn't mean we may we like are responsible for that man's actions. There's a different kind of responsibility. We're responsible for the life that it creates, and right. we're not responsible for what that person did. To, like that person being bad, being you know, right. whatever, selling us drugs or right. beating us up or and, doing something horrid. Right, and and I often explain to people that you know there's that some people you know refer to some things as a victim mentality, and I and I I try to explain to people that. You know, if I were, were crossing a street and I didn't see a truck coming and it, and it hit me, you know, am I a victim or not a victim? And the truth is I'm a victim because I got hit by the truck, you know, regardless of how or why I still got hit by the truck. I'm still a victim. Yes. Yeah. But yes, it's walking out of being a victim that is changes the reality or changes the scenario. And I mm -hmm. think that's where people get confused. You know, and with domestic violence, with with all kinds of addiction and all kinds of things like that, people don't always understand the emotional context that is existing there, um, you know, because most of those most of those situations. There's a, there's there's information that was, you know, deposited into that person's mind very early in their life that allowed them to stay in the particular situation. And that is so complex for people to figure out. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when you look at it, because, I mean, our attachment styles of how we, you know, we're attached to our parents, our, whether or not we have ever struggled or suffered with codependency, whether or not the person we do, we're dealing with was controlling or narcissistic, you know, there are always different parts of the ingredients that are involved in it. Mm -hmm. And 
and so hard for people to understand because once, you know, I'm very good at simplifying things. Um, I've been told by a number of people that I oversimplify things <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, well, sometimes the answer is cut and dry. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that when we get too caught up in the different pieces and parts and the ingredients, you know, we're, we're basically trying to justify our own actions rather than realizing that, no, my action was garbage. It was a terrible action, you know? And, and so it's like, it's understanding that, um, it's understanding that when people are in those situations, there was a lot deeper things going on with them and a lot of deeper things going on with the other person. So in a sense, we have to rehumanize ourselves yeah. and connect to that person and have compassion. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's very, it's very bizarre because mm-hmm. sometimes we can all, we can all stand outside and know the answer, but oh, we don't yeah. know the, the complexity outside and yeah. And criticize other. So can you share with us an experience um, where you first learned this? Because I'm, uh, I am assuming the best coaches out there, like like yourself, have been through mm-hmm. these experiences, and you have mm-hmm. gone through the process of understanding this. You know that you have to own up to your experience. You have to be accountable for your actions. But then, as well, the other part is still uh, you don't excuse the behavior. So, do you have an mm-hmm. experience like that? Because what we like to do with our audience is teach them that part you know the mm-hmm. how do you do it because they can relate to that if you find someone that's listening to us and it's just stuck there you know they can use your explanation to see if if relates to them and how they can process this experience sure um wow i mean i've got 48 years of life experience at this point so i have lots <laughs> of different lots of different examples yeah, maybe the first one or, or the biggest uh-huh. one maybe Um, gee whiz. Um, wow, that's a hard one. Um, because there's so many different things to understand for me. Um, maybe just part by part, because I think that happens as well that you kind of get one awakening, one those illuminating experiences, mm-hmm. and then all of the senses start to, to add up. So maybe just a little part of the process. Yeah. Um, well, She was, so it's interesting because I grew up with a narcissist. My my stepfather um, is a, is still a narcissist to this day, and um, but he's a person that I care deeply for. And you know, when I was a kid, it wasn't unusual to get a wrench or a screwdriver thrown at you uh, for handing him the wrong tool and being called a, a dumbass. So that was, you know, that was a common occurrence in the garage. Um, You know, and so it was really hard and it's like dealing with that emotional damage, you start to take on, you know, the, the role of the codependent, you know, of the, oh my gosh, I don't want to make him mad because if I make him mad, then this other terrible thing will happen. I got to make sure I don't make this person angry. And so you start taking action. It's, a, it's more or less evasive action, right? To not st- suffer and struggle in that relationship. And I think people who've been parts of domestic violence, uh, whether they're children or partners, um, you know, they can relate to that because you become hypersensitive and hyper aware of another person's mental and emotional state. And so you act accordingly. And 
it's really strange because that codependency, it started to mix in with my relationships and how my mother, I watched my mother model that in her relationships with her partners. I watched, you know, myself develop it. I saw my family uh, of my, on my mother's side that were very uh, codependent and enmeshed. And it's really crazy because I would treat my partners. I would, I would treat my partners in a codependent way where I would want to make sure they were okay and everything was right. And, you know, but it, what was really crazy is that it also set me up to put too much value in my partner's needs and not enough values in my own needs. Um, so it took me a long time to start understanding healthy boundaries and relationships because I was already too, you know, I was already trained in a sense and my brain was trained to keep partner happy, partners important, partners needs are more important than mine. As long as they're happy, everything's good. I won't get in trouble. People won't get angry. And so it's a process that I had to go through of stepping back from things. Because yeah. the other problem that codependents have is they don't put boundaries up. They don't stop things and look and at their partner. They seem stronger. So you might be intimidated. So how do you get to that realization? Because if you're used to it and you grew with it, then it's kind of hard to see the other side. You know, there mm -hmm. has, was there an experience that showed you or a person, a coach, a therapy that showed you how the actual process, how it should be? Um, well, so my process in life has really been just getting my ass kicked. Um, so <laughs> I just basically would learn lessons through terrible experiences. Yeah, and I would well, try sometimes to that happens. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. and, and, and I mean... You know, I just, it's the school of hard knocks. That's basically the school I've enrolled in for the for my most of my life. Mm -hmm. But I think what happened to me, for me, you know, I had to go through a really horrible divorce where my partner, you know, I, I felt abandoned in the situation, which also dragged out my abandonment issues from my father. Mm -hmm. I felt, you know, abused in a sense because, uh, emotionally abused in a sense because, I, you know, was, I mean, literally it was ripped from me. I mean, one day I was happy, the next day everything was ripped from me. And then, and then I also was able to step back and strangely recognize some behaviors that I had that were narcissistic behaviors that I had taken from my stepfather. So in one event, a bunch of pieces come flying out. You know, a bunch of things just come blasting out of there. And I, and I think that it's important, you know, again, to take responsibility and to take that extreme responsibility and recognize that, you know, first of all, the other person is not a bad person. They're just a person. And yeah. second of all, whatever they did, I had a participation in that somewhere, somehow. How I did, I'm not always certain. But once I can step back and look at it, I can see it. And it doesn't mean that I'm the bad guy or they're the bad guy. And it doesn't mean that they're the good guy or I'm the good guy. It just means that something happened between two human beings. Yeah. And, and when we try to tear it apart, we have to start figuring out, you know, for me, a lot of it was just a lot of soul search. I mean, it really was just trying to understand myself. Um, mm -hmm. 
I went to therapist for a year and then told him that I was graduating and he smiled and laughed at me and goes, you're the only person that's ever come in and said you're graduating. So, <laughs> but yeah, so, um, mm -hmm. go ahead. But then you, you were able to see the other side. So you had to be mm -hmm. guided to be able to see the other side as well, that that behavior wasn't appropriate or, you know, even though, we understand that situation happen just because they have to happen. That doesn't mean that we excuse the behavior or, and also that we, um, so we learn how to change it, how to transform it into something more positive. Okay. Mm -hmm. But do you ever feel that from a younger age? So that you always had that something that maybe you wanted to understand things beyond you know, the experience, because sometimes, you know, to be able to grow into a coach and to transform this information is that maybe you had something there that tell you, this could be right. This can't be right. There must be other way. Do you ever feel? Yeah. 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 I mean, um, my mother tells me that uh, she said the one word that she wished she could take out of my vocabulary as a child was why <laughs> she was like, You're always asking why. It didn't matter what it was. It was always why, why, why. And mm -hmm. I think I have a built-in curiosity. Um, but I re do recall, and I shared this with my mother just recently, that when I was about three or four years old was the time that I realized that um, I did not plan on being near my family because I didn't trust them. And when you can't trust your primary caregivers, you have a tendency to, you know, begin questioning, exploring, contemplating and anticipating. And so for me, it was a constant, it was a constant my whole life to always try to understand something bigger and, and have a better understanding of actually people. I mean, human behavior is the most fascinating thing in the world to me. It is I mean, because weird. it's so different and, you know, it's yeah. completely abstract and arbitrary. And then he also has a lot of a structure is, is something very interesting to, to try and watch and observe and how people develop, even in the same circumstances, two people mm -hmm. will react completely different. And if you are able to witness that, it, it might still, it might even give you a tool to understand just how a situation is not to blame but how you react to it okay i thought you want to ask something no i was just i was just thinking of just realizing in my own life will that you um uh you know you i similarly have been fascinated in why people do what they do and how um and i and yet my own my own parents were fine but i i witnessed um such chaos around my grandparents and my grandmother used to take me to spy on her husband my grandfather who was living with his mistress oh no <laughs> my god why would she had... take you my god <laughs> why would she take you yes and she, and so she what's that why would she take you as a decoy oh my god no i yeah. we would just go and spy she had binoculars i mean um it was probably heartbreaking because she She probably loved him. I mean, I was very young. We're talking six, seven, eight here. She loved him and he left her. He left her seven times for seven mistresses and cheated on her her whole life. And they never divorced and he died with his mistress and they were separated. Um, and he outlived her by quite some time. But it's quite, it, it, it's interesting. And I that may have had something to do, even really deep down, why I've had this fascination 
weird relationship and a fascination and you know and my then that somehow my own um codependent situation with my ex-husband and then boyfriends and it's oh my god the web we weave it's fascinating but but the difference between like you and i well we have taken that information and we are trying to use it to make ourselves more whole and other people whole so then it becomes something that's used you know the pain to power you know it, it a problem becomes a tool because we have we've seen it now you know and it <laughs> maybe the hardware like you said school of hard knocks mm -hmm. both of us but uh, you no know, that's all we can do in life is take what we get and make the best of it you know life gives you lemons make lemonade and if the lemons are experiencing domestic violence and getting up off the floor in your case experiencing narcissistic abuse and, and abuse and having to deal with all of that that makes us who we are and that's what we do that's how we create a life we love we take whatever it is because we can't make it perfect but we make life perfect with what we have and help others do the same and it's, it's fascinating mm -hmm. to hear because there's so there's some parallels in our background so then my, my actual own family was different my extended family was very similar what you're saying so right. that's okay. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, go on uh, i was gonna say uh, i mean one of the things that's always important to me to, to to really get across to people because we our language is very tricky you know because people like to use words that quite honestly i don't think they understand what the word means you know people are like oh that's not normal this isn't normal that's not normal i'm like well it depends on where you're from normal is a very subjective word you know and, and a family of thieves being honest makes one of the the people in that family feel like a bad person right and so it's it's a very weird thing because people always think that normal is normal is normal and i'm like it's not because everyone has a different history and different background but we need to look at what's healthy what's not healthy and yeah, or, believe it or know, not maybe what hurts you, and what doesn't yeah right and and for Lisa, when when you were your grandmother was going through that, and your grandfather was going through that, and you saw this cycle repeated, 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 it's it, that was your model. So your model said, "You stay, you stay, no matter what." Seven mistresses later, you stay, you stay, you stay, and that was the model that your child self put into the structure that was your life, and so. So to be a codependent was already built in, but we built that in. You yeah, know? you and, even even notice when. Right. And, and the thing I always look at is we always want people to understand that you are a whole person, period. There is no completing yourself. You are complete as you are, as you stand, you are a complete human being. The things that we need to change is we have to recognize that we as human beings are human beings the beliefs that we have are not us. Our beliefs that we have are the structure that we live by. They're more like the house that we live in. When we have a belief, it's part of that structure. It's part of our house. And the thing is, is if you had a house, would you want that house built by a three-year-old or a five-year-old or a six-year-old? Mm -hmm. You want to step back from your beliefs and look at the structure and go, oh my gosh, I still have that belief that I had from when I was three years old or I was eight years old and then go back as an adult and recognize it's okay to change the belief. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's healthy. 
to change that belief. Now I got to go back in and I'm going to remove that belief and replace it with a healthier belief so that I can have a healthier life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the keys to being able to free yourself to live a life you love. Because if you mm -hmm. don't figure that out, somehow escape that belief system of the, you know, the zero to seven or eight years, the primary area, era of our life, if we don't do that, then we carry mm -hmm. it throughout the whole of life and we just keep knocking our head against a brick wall. I've done it in relationship. You know, I went, I mean, I, I, I don't have a boyfriend now, I've given up. But, um, but for the many years no. I did, I went <laughs> abusive boyfriend, abusive boyfriend, abusive boyfriend. And then there was even different sorts of abuse. There was like mental abuse, there was physical abuse, there was financial mm -hmm. abuse. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> but every kind of reviews, <laughs> and I think, oh, this was right. different. Oh no, it's still the same pattern. It looks different. <laughs> looks right. different, yeah. yeah. But yeah. but a part of that is a part of that too is recognizing, you know, have I healed myself? Have I looked at that part of myself and understood, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't think that's going to be acceptable for me. And then readjust by creating a new rule. Um, yeah. You know, relationships are tricky. It is, it is literally, you know, it is one of the hardest things to, to get sorted out uh, with people. Um, but I, I, I'm unfortunately, I'm a hopeless romantic and I'm, I'm that guy who, you know, I, I will never give up on having relationships. It's a weird thing. I don't know why, but <laughs> I'm okay with it. Well, then that's the belief. You're white. You're white somehow. Oh, it's in, fun. In something else. You've got this belief that romance is a good thing as well, which is a good thing. Yeah, you never uh, give up because it's so much yeah. fun. Why would you give up something like that? I don't know. Right, this is, but, that's why I believe. Yeah, I think yeah, it's so much I mean, fun. Yeah, no, it is. It's a ton of fun. I, I think for me, I mean, I understand my love languages are, are physical touch and quality time. So for me, that requires other human beings. I don't get away from it. Yeah, it's just not how I can operate. Um, you know, but it's, a, but, but it's also, I'm a huge fan of understanding how the human machine works, you know, how our brain works, how our emotions work, how, you know, these things and intersect with one another, because what I think one of the biggest struggles, one of the, what I would call the, the, if, if there's the, what do they call it? Oh, it's the, tr the problem of being human, I guess it's the, the, <laughs> the problem being, yes. <laughs> right. The problem with being human is that everybody is so busy trying to manhandle themselves mentally and emotionally rather than stepping back and going, wait a minute, how does this thing work again? And then understand the machine, understand how it works. I mean, you know, I, you wouldn't jump on a bicycle and ride it into the ocean and then be angry that it didn't float, right? Because you understood it was a bicycle. Human beings are not walking around understanding what the machine does and how it works. Yeah. Like but you know we get mad. Yeah. Go ahead. No, sorry, sorry. You finish your idea. Yeah. I was going to say, we get mad at ourselves for feeling a need for connection. And I'm like, you can't be mad. That's part of the design. Human beings are designed to be connected. It's our design. Mm -hmm. 
So don't be bad about it. Just understand yeah, what am I seeing normal, wrong? Quote unquote. <laughs> but it's it's healthy. So remember, we're gonna go. Yeah, that's why I go quote unquote unhealthy. because I don't like right. to use that word either. I, I use kind of more like common or useful or or right. but not normal because you know normal just means that it, it's abided by a norm and that yeah. norm can be completely different. So yeah, but right. you know, um, I wanted to ask you maybe your experience. What I've noticed is, you know, as a coach, sometimes you or as a therapist in my case, you try to teach people to have this perspective about life, but some mm -hmm. people are not interested because I'm thinking, you know, for I hear you trying to understand how the human behavior works and many other scientists and psychologists and whatever, but there are other people that nothing, you know, doesn't compute. You know, my mm -hmm. husband, for example, he couldn't care less. He's just here to enjoy and to work and do whatever he 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 wants to do and even if we get conversation and I give him some type of coaching he will understand and he will get it but it's not of interest it's interest of, for him you know so I think mm -hmm. some people just need to find what it is that drives them because it could be like the three of us human behavior you know and making your dreams come true and feeling you know um empowered but for other people there might be a completely different experience and no matter how much you explain how the machine works they don't care or they don't understand mm -hmm. because it's not within their realm you know right. so how do you help people that are like that that are in like victim mode you know that are even though you've tried to explain and they kind of have some understanding they'll they're still stuck So is there a way that you use to explain about the, I don't know, emotional intelligence? Um, I just, I farm, you know, you just start planting seeds and just keep planting and watering those seeds. Mm. And, and remember that it's not your responsibility for them to change. That's not your okay. responsibility. My responsibility, deliver the message, deliver the information. Uh -huh. After that, it's on them. But how, do you have any any awakening technique that might help? Or you just, you know, because even those, even the best might not help. Sure. But, but I think the thing is, is that, you know, it's important to step back and remember, it's not my responsibility mm. to make that person change. That is not my responsibility. That is never my responsibility. Regardless if I'm a therapist or a coach. It's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to share what I understand and share what I know. And if that person can receive it, then they're ready. You know, it's the, the old adage of, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? So yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Um, but, oh, by the way, uh, the metaphors. Metaphors are a fantastic way to share with people because the brain actually will keep a metaphor, but it will not keep scientific information unless it's really interested in it. It's funny oh, thing really? about the brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're silly. It, it doesn't. Well, it's like the same thing. Like you can't be hypnotized um, unless you're really, unless you're willing. So you're not right. going to learn if you're not willing either. You, you'll just block right. it. Um, Absolutely. You might be doing that subconsciously, even like you're going, yes, I am, I am, I am. But meantime, inside that little demon's going, no, you're not, no, you're not. No. <laughs> right, right, right. It's, so, so that's why it's I, have, I, have, I have a coach. Um, he is absolutely, uh, absolutely lovely lady, and she's desperate to hypnotize me. And I said, I don't think it'll work because I'm so stubborn. I don't think it'll work. Stubborn, yeah, she's so stubborn. You know, I and I am a stubborn person, but Lisa, whew. I get the ticket. I get. Yeah, the ticket. 
<laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, great ratio metaphors. Yeah, stories and and then people and and sometimes I think the thing is you have to get people to see what they need to know, not tell them. You have to. They have to mm-hmm. like hear it. That's why stories are so great because mm-hmm. they you know they hear the story and then they kind of get the the light moment the light bulb oh but that's like me oh yes i'm like that whereas if you tell them see you're doing this you're doing this they're like not me anyway i'm like that as as marissa knows Um, (laughs) well and that's and that's another thing i mean i i learned a very important thing um about a year ago i i was having a falling out with a, a person that i feel very deeply for and i saw this thing on a ted talk and and the the one thing that i said that stuck with me was connect before you correct yeah and that was so powerful because sometimes what happens is that we're trying to correct someone's behavior or we're trying to teach them something and like they did not ask you for directions Mm -hmm. okay they didn't ask yeah so and and if you don't have a connection with them Mm-hmm. They're not going to receive that information. You might as well be the TV just turned on in the background. Yeah. But when you connect to somebody emotionally and they feel that connection and that, oh, hey, this person actually really cares about me and what they're sharing with me is important to me. That's yeah. when it changes for them. So it's a very odd, but very real situation. Yeah, I've heard that in parenting as well. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. better you have to connect with the child first before correcting because otherwise they don't know and they think you might be even be harassing them or harming them instead of trying mm-hmm. to correct them. So that's, it is quite good. Thank you for that. Yeah. So in, in your life experience and, and you are, and you have carved out a niche for yourself doing what you do now, what would you say are, and let's literally, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you pin it to three principles that you use on a daily basis that make your Ooh. life work for you. Three principles. Wow. Um, <laughs> we don't ask easy questions on this podcast. Yeah, right. Now there's, there are some, I mean, there, when I think about it, like I, I'm a big fan of, and I would always suggest that people read the four agreements by um Don, uh, Don Don Miguel Ruiz. Ruiz, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Don Miguel Ruiz. It's brilliant. Those it four principles brilliant. will help people in life so far that they can't even understand it. Because but the problem is is getting the deeper understanding of it. Like because it sounds so surface, you know, oh don't take anything personally. I'm like you can yeah, say really. don't take anything personally, yeah, but I'm like easy. you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> really people's actions and reactions have very little to do with you. It has everything to do with their own history, everything to do with what they're trying to achieve, everything they're trying to do in their own lives. And you're allowed to love them mm-hmm. and you should love them, but you have to leave them to their own devices. That is to me is one of the major principles of that book. And that's one of the major principles of life because we want so badly for people to have what we think is best for them. But the truth is we don't always know what's best for them. Yeah. Um, mm, that's big. We don't always know what's best. And that's, yeah. that's hard as a coach because a coach, a passionate coach wants to help guide, help you. Know. But, but, but again, it, it becomes back to, I can't take it personally if somebody I'm working with does not get it. Yeah, actually, you it's know? a difference when, when you can tell a true coach. Well, I would don't want to judge, but 
the difference between someone that wants to make you do something and someone that wants to allow you to to grow into it because when you have been through the process you understand that it's not about you it's about them right right so pushing someone will never get the unless that person asks unless that person is exactly what they require you don't need to mm -hmm. push anybody because everybody the most important thing is to be accountable for your actions Yeah, then, yeah. You, then that's my... the way you feel empowered. That is, you you are the person doing this, you know. And, and it's not like you can change weather, but just accept the situation as it is. And then the thing that you have power over is how you present yourself to the situation, and then how you react, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. And 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 a number of my friends have referred to me as the wrecking ball, um, because they're like, you just don't know how to be gentle with things. I'm like, I'm absolutely gentle. I'm like, if I really came at people like a wrecking ball, it would be worse. And they're like, serious? I'm like, my problem is that I don't mind pointing out the truth or the obvious. And that is hard. That's, that's very difficult for some people to swallow. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, not my friends are people who spend a lot of time with me they know be careful how you ask the question because it can turn into something worse yes are you <laughs> sure you're ready for the answer yeah. and, it, and it's not because i know everything i just have a perspective i don't have the perspective and i yeah. don't have everyone's perspective but it but i think that it's it is it's a it's this wonderful gift that i've been so blessed to, to accept is learning to how to have patience and how to still love people where they're standing. Mm -hmm. And it is probably the hardest lesson that I had to learn. Yeah. And the only way I learned it, and this is the part that is always so powerful to me is the only way I learned it was by learning to love myself and learning to have compassion for myself. Because once I could be okay with me and once I could be forgiving and loving with me, everyone else is easy. Everyone yeah. else is so much easier because yeah. I didn't like myself for a majority of my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't like me. And, and it's not because I was a bad person. It's just, I didn't know how to accept me for who I was. And I didn't know how to accept myself for mm -hmm. being where I was and recognizing that I started in a certain place and I'm now at this place. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. I said, I would say that's, guiding principle number one to be honest number one is always love yourself and be your best friend and accept yourself mm -hmm. after you get that rule every other rule starts falling in place and making sense mm -hmm. and then like i say second would be i'd say let's go with uh take nothing personally mm -hmm. um because that is it's like a superpower my, my girlfriend told me it seems very impersonal and i think it's hilarious i'm like how's it impersonal i think it's beautiful i think it's the most beautiful <laughs> loving gift you can give to someone is to yeah. not take it personal when they're having a bad day yeah because But, you also give them the, the you also give them the space to the, give them the benefit of doubt so mm -hmm. if you pull yourself out of the equation the situation can solve itself by not adding your judgment company to the other person's uh <laughs> Lisa, why are you yeah. going like this? I'm like, friend, I'm like, I'm like, look at your Zoom. Like... <laughs> you know, sorry for that. Uh, but I think, yes, it's very, very, I was going to say something and now I got distracted by the dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this is like, yeah, you, you were know. saying about by not adding your judgment. And I, and that, by the way, has mm -hmm. been a very powerful thing because yeah. I think that is the point of 
not taking it personally because I don't need to add my two cents. And that's the, the, the woman that I has been in my life for a while, who's a very dear friend and a person that I have bigger feelings for. She has taught me more than any person in my life that number one, she doesn't need me to take care of her. She doesn't need me to fix her. She doesn't need me to do anything except show up and care about her. Mm. And, yeah. and, and she definitely doesn't need my judgment. And she's made that clear a couple of times as well. And <laughs> honestly, I, I got to tell you, I'm, from where I stood, those were great reliefs. That yes. was a great relief to have a person say that. And to say, listen, I, I care about you, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't need all this other crap and I don't need you to save me. I'm going to save myself. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. And that's a very powerful thing, you know, because again, when it comes, to, I guess if I have to go by principle number three or four principle number three, it's learn how to love. Mm-hmm. Learn that first of all, and how to love, you have to have enough love within yourself, be able to fill yourself with your own love in order to share that love with other people and in order to give that to other people. Mm-hmm. That's okay, the best principle of love. Okay, I'm going to ask you something really hard. So how does that look like? So if What you were to explain like? that, yeah, mm. if you were to explain someone that has no idea, no understanding how love yourself, because, you mm-hmm. know, I remember now what I was going to say, you know, when you don't take it personal, because... You know, if you have a feud with someone, that person will go away. But if you don't learn to have a good relationship with you, you are like in a prison because you are mm-hmm. always here. Yeah. You know, you can't you gotta, get away from you. Yeah. I always have to live with this asshole. No matter what yeah. I do, I still have to live with this asshole. Yeah. So, so it's better to love a, yourself. All right. But how, well, how will you teach someone to do that? Well, you know what I do with some of the people I work with is I, I, I basically share with them the most important thing to do is to look at yourself as your friend. Look at yourself as your best friend. Now, if your best friend came to you and said, hey, I'm going to go eat 3,000 calories today and sit my fat ass on the couch all day. And I'm hoping that maybe by the end of the month, I'll have a heart attack. You would look at your friend like, are you crazy? I am not letting you do that. Come on, we're going to go eat some salad. We're going to get you outside. We're going to go walking. We're going to do all these things, right? Uh-huh. But if I, and, and if I say, okay, wait a minute. Now, I wouldn't let my friends do that. Why would I let me do that? Mm-hmm. So you have to start looking at yourself and treating yourself like your friend. I want my friend to be healthy. I want my friend to be happy. I want them to, to live a long quality uh-huh. life. So I have to start looking at me as my friend. Yeah, I And want my friend that, to see their qualities. I want my friend to see their gift. I want my friend mm-hmm. to see, you know, the good thing that they have achieved, you know. Yeah, yeah it's a good, And, very, very nice way, yeah. It's, it's just a way I, I find that's a, a healthy practice because mm-hmm. once you start doing that, then you're also going to think, would I say the things to my friends that I say to myself? Mm-hmm. And the crazy part is, is I'm like, no, I'm actually, I've always been known to be nicer to my friends than I am to myself. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, it's a human I... condition. Yeah, we are our worst critics. So it, it, it takes kind of some training to yeah. actually don't allow yourself to put yourself down and instead right. become your own cheerleader because you're stuck with you all the time. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not an easy thing. And I don't know if it's an, actual thing that you can do to stop that that ha- what's happening in your mind you know you might have those brief moments of meditation and contemplation or whatever sure. but you are stuck with you all the time right so true. truth the truth is too is interesting is 
once you start being kind to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and you stop judging yourself and, and that, I mean, I've even done a video on, would you, if you were four people outside of you kicking your ass, would you jump out of your body and join them? And the truth is, is that we probably wouldn't, right? I wouldn't go, oh, I'm going to go kick my own ass. Yeah. We, we would say, oh, that's crazy. That sounds like crazy talk. So yeah. what's the difference? Mentally, you're doing the same thing. What's the difference? So the thing is, is once you stop that and you start, you know, being kind to yourself, it starts changing things because you're also, I've personally, I mean, I, I learned how to be more gentle with myself, you know, and, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, I know, for instance, I don't know how familiar you ladies are with attachment theory. It's one of my favorite things in the world because I can explain everything in relationships with people very quickly, but it's, in attachment theory, I'm considered a secure attachment style, but because of my abandonment, I have an anxious, I have an anxious tendency mm-hmm. and I recognize that. And as soon as I, that anxiety starts peeking its head out, I don't punish myself for feeling the anxiety. Mm-hmm. I recognize that that's a wound that I've carried and that's a wound that is always going to have a scar and that's always, that scar is going to be a little tender. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's understanding the self that allows us to be more considerate and understanding of ourselves. And which again, leads to our ability to do that with other people. Yeah. And the good thing about that is that when you're triggered and you're able to see that wound, you can take that little time to heal it, to pay a little bit of Mm -hmm. attention, to maybe put some ointment, something there that can help you through the process. And then over time, it won't hurt anymore, or you will be able to get even get triggered and go, Oh, this doesn't hurt as much as it used to, you know? Right. Yeah. That's a a great exercise. Yes. Yeah. And it's learning to unload the emotion from it. That's unloading emotion is the part where you gain wisdom because once the emotion is gone and you're not, that bullet's not loaded anymore. Now I can look at it and go, Oh, there's not a trigger there anymore because I unloaded the gun. Now I just have the wisdom left. How do you do that? How do you unload that emotion from that wound? Oh, Look at you guys. You're asking all the hard questions. Yes, um, of course. That's what we're here it, for. <laughs> it, well, I mean, it, it, each that's person, the important I mean, part. There's, there's the, you know, there's not a one size fits all situation, right? Because mm-hmm. that's why that we have fifteen thousand different types of therapy that <laughs> that work for some people, don't work for other people. Yeah, that's why um, I, I asked the, the the hard question like, because you can go out yeah. there and read it anywhere. You know, there are mm-hmm. many, many authors, many, many coaches. <laughs> many, many people that can say the same things, you know, but mm-hmm. then what I'm interested in is when some of us, it used to be me for our long, for the longest time, I would read all this information and then I would be so excited. And then when the enthusiasm, sorry for the English, it starts mm-hmm. to wear down, you go, oh, and then you go back to the place, you know, so you have well, to keep on pushing. So, and it took me a while to understand this thing. So, you know, I don't mm-hmm. only want the knowledge, but I want the explanation or maybe how you did it. So someone mm-hmm. else can do the same. A, a, a lot of self-acceptance. That's really mm-hmm. how I got to a lot of it. And, mm-hmm. and integrating my experiences, you know, recognizing that, you know, growing up poor white trash in the middle of Ohio isn't the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. You know, I... I could have easily not grown up, you know, I could have easily ended up a million different things, but at the end of the day, 
I'm where I'm at. My story is a part of me. I have to accept the story in its completion. And I have to recognize that I did what I did when I did it because it's what I knew. Yeah. I need to accept and love myself for surviving for 48 years and some extra days, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's powerful because when you start looking at and, and being very loving and compassionate with yourself and going, wow, you know, that was a mistake. You could have done that better. Yeah. You know what? And then, and then instead of just stopping it at, I could have done that better going, okay, if that comes up again, I'll make sure that I don't react that way. Mm-hmm. So it's all, a lot of it to me is that's why rule number one is always love, accept and accept yourself and make yourself your own best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very powerful thing for me. Um, yeah. It's, it's just a lot of learning to be self-compassionate, you know, mm-hmm. and learning, like I'm a big fan of learning, um, learn your attachment style, know your weaknesses, you know, understand your, understand your trauma without beating yourself up for your trauma. Um, understand your, uh, understand your sexual blueprint, understand what turns you on, what turns you off. These are, understand your love language. Understanding yourself is the greatest gift you can ever give to yourself. It's the greatest gift you can give to your partners. Because when you understand what works for you emotionally, you know your love language and you know what turns you on and what turns you off, you let your partner know these things. Guiding one another, you know, is a beautiful gift. And so it's like, in order for me to get to the point where I'm not ashamed of myself and all of these other things, that allows me to open up to be my best self for myself and others. It's a very crazy thing. I, I I think that people really need to do more studying of themselves because I think that a lot of the time, especially in the self-help world, we're obsessed with getting better. Look, I don't have to be better. I'm perfect. Okay. I'm perfectly me. I'm not a perfect human. I'm just perfectly who I am. And I can, I can decide to change my behavior because I feel that other behavior would benefit me, but it doesn't make me better and it doesn't make me worse. It just means it benefits me. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm going that. on. I love that. Oh, that I love that. Amazing. Yeah, that, that was great. Because, yeah, that's that the only thing. Good. You're born you, and you are the only master of being you. And there's no it's one true. else like you. And you are. Thank God. Yeah, we are you. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true. And then that's what all the coaches try to get through to the, like the business coaches. Like, you know, you are doing it your way. No one's going to do it like you, no matter if there's a thousand coaches doing the same thing, but they're not you. So you are going to have a uniqueness which will reach a certain audience. Mm-hmm. And it is right. because of that factor that you would be perfectly you. Um, I love it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful place to probably draw this to a close, Marissa, if you uh, have yeah. any more questions. Yeah. No, okay. I want to thank you, Will, because, you know, I see you all the time on the Global Mindset Summit, and I always you you his group. You know, it's Will's group. He's great. Yeah, and it's amazing. And I really thank you for being here because you've given us very important tools and keys to to help people. You know, even ourselves Mm -hmm. to apply them, or maybe even understand them in another in another level. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. Well, thank you you for having me. I I appreciate it. I I love you know. It's funny because I have some people reach out to me and. It's kind of weird to me because I've had people say some odd things to me and I'm going, listen, I'm just some dude walking around sharing the stuff that I got my ass kicked on. That's all I'm doing. It's nothing special. 
I just going, Hey, look out. There's a trap over there. That's it. I'm the guy on the standing on the side of the trail. Just telling you, don't trip over that, that route. Don't, you know, don't get caught up there. That's great. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm grateful for my journey and I'm grateful for people like you guys because, you know, we do need to share more with other people about this human experience and allow people to know how wonderful a creation they are, but they have to believe it about themselves first. You know, yeah, that's you, a tricky you, you part. Learn a lot. Uh, you know, it's still an experience because some people, you know, I did under, I did learn in some part of the process that the people that don't want to change that they're really here to suffer, become a victim, and no matter what you do, they won't change that might be their mission anyway mm -hmm. so and they're here to show you what that looks like for you to learn without having to experience it you know so mm -hmm. then and i also develop the, more con yes. yeah like develop this, more this compassion. is what suffering looks like yeah <laughs> that's a Sorry, good one what? here to educate yeah. us on suffering yeah well i look at it as life is like a it's a spiral you know life exists on a spiral and and once you you know, you're going to keep coming back to the same spot where you're going to trip mm -hmm. until you realize that there's something there and you're going to learn to step over it. So yeah. the lesson you keep learning over and over again, just yeah. try to look at it from a different vantage point. Try to yeah. understand it from a different place because it's, it's crazy. Cause the day that you come back to that point and you just step right over it, you'll be like, Oh, I learned the lesson. Awesome. So good. Yeah. <laughs> and celebrate yay yeah, yeah that's part of the evolution process oh yeah it's amazing so thank you Absolutely. very much for all that you've shared with us i think is going to sure. be very very useful and well, thank uh, you ladies well will it as you're a coach um will you send me your information so i can put in the show notes so that if anyone wants to reach out and work with you yeah that'd be great that'd be amazing yeah, yeah thank send you send that over to me on messenger and we'll put them in the show notes so if anyone is interested in talking to will about emotional intelligence or relationship coaching you can reach out to him in the show notes okay yes Excellent. and you can also find you can also join the global mindset summit because will is always there with yeah he's, he's in the global mindset summit on uh facebook yeah, private and, group, uh, you know you can always find it there yeah and Excellent. And share, and don't forget, guys, to share and subscribe and follow us and come join us yeah. on Clubhouse. We're on Clubhouse at the Dream Team Life Club. We have various rooms, and um, Marissa and I are in other rooms as well. So just follow us. I'm at the Dream Team Live, and Marissa's at Marissa Marenrique on Clubhouse. So come follow us and meet us live and chat to us. If you have any questions about the podcast or any guests on the podcast, some of them are actually also on Clubhouse. Just reach out to us. Our emails are in the show notes, and we'll let you know how to reach out to the various people. All right, brilliant. Well, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you, Bye. guys. Have a good night. Take care, well. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Dream Team podcast. You can catch Lisa and Marissa every Monday and Thursday. Don't forget to subscribe and review and dream on.